Now this morning, uh, John chapter 21, uh, just as a bit of divine coincidence, this was the first chapter in the first sermon I ever preached on the 21st of November 1999 and in Holyrood Abbey Church, Phil its minister, my minister, is uh, here uh, today. Um, I preached it on Saturday the 20th of November 1999 at uh, 9 o'clock at night in an empty church to my wife who's left to cook the lunch. And I preached it and I looked at her in the gallery. It was cold and dark and empty. And I said, is that all right? And she said, no. <laughs> So John uh, 21, and very opposite for our circumstances today. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net onto the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net ashore, for they were a hundred yards from the shore. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. And Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, and even with so many the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples stayed, asked him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and somebody else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. 
Because of this, the rumour spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Now listen to the last verse of John's Gospel, this great erudite theological Gospel. It's a wonderful verse. It's almost childlike in its simplicity. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Let's pray. Our Father, in our hands, we have living and enduring words. The Word of God. The power of God for salvation. All authority for life. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would take up his sword and work it amongst us for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Closing chapters of John's Gospel, 19, 20 and 21, have two major themes. Two themes joined together as one. Two themes, mission completed and mission continued. Mission completed, the Lord Jesus has come and finished the work God has given him to do. His work on earth is done. And the way John describes the death of Jesus in chapter 20, it all culminates in these words, it is finished. He bore our sin and bore the wrath of God for our sin. With his words, it is finished, forgiveness flooded out from the cross to all humanity through the ages. It is finished. The Lord Jesus has done the work the Father has given him to do. And the resurrection of Jesus, chapter 20, from the dead, vindicates the cross. It is finished. Mission completed. But also, in these chapters, mission continued. For now, there is a finished gospel to proclaim that it's good news to herald to the nations, to the world. And that responsibility is ours. To proclaim Christ crucified and risen. And that theme of mission continued is all over these closing chapters of John's Gospel. Think back to when Jesus was crucified and his kingship was declared on a sign on the cross. His kingship declared in Hebrew, in Aramaic, in Greek. A message not for Jerusalem but the world. A message for Scotland etched back then. Mission continued, captured in these final words of John chapter 20, the resurrection chapter. Jesus did many other signs. But these are written, this record, John's Gospel, this Gospel book, that you may believe and have life in his name. Every time this book, this Bible is proclaimed, mission is continued. Now, mission completed and mission continued are the two themes woven together in this closing chapter. Two headings. Here's the first. Jesus completes his mission and provides what his disciples need. That's the focus of the first half of the chapter, verses 1 to 14. It's very striking how John writes 
it is so evidently eyewitness testimony. It's a resurrection appearance of Jesus, verse 1, afterwards Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened, John writes, I was there in the boat, it happened this way. And he tells us the disciples are fishing through the night. Um, John's Gospel is rich in its theology and um, the great temptation is to turn over every stone and find some rich theological meaning. Why were they fishing at night? Well, I, I would go for a plain ordinary conclusion here that the fish usually bit at night. It's their job, they're fishermen, they would know. And yet they did not bite that night, not a single one. And uh, you get the impression that John is a very careful and circumspect writer. But uh, you can imagine the moaning and the grumbling in the boat. Peter saying, well, this is just useless. Useless. And then early in the morning, they'd be knackered, tired, weary, hungry. The first light of dawn, there's this person on the shore. They're a hundred yards away. They can see him. They, they, they don't know who he is, but they must have been with earshot. And then, after this long and weary and hard night catching no fish this stranger on the shore says, friends, haven't you any fish? <laughs> no, they answered. <laughs> and then he says to them, it's bizarre, he says, just bring up your nets and move them 12 feet onto the other side of the boat and you'll find some fish. And for whatever reason, they did it. And the fish just charge into the net. So many, they couldn't haul it in. Something is going on. Of course, it's a miracle. And the miraculous in John always reveals the identity of the miracle maker. It is the Lord. John, the apostle's words. That's the confession of a disciple to their king. It is the Lord, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Now, it is the Lord. Peter, and uh, Peter, um, classically unable to contain himself, jumps in. I have no idea why he puts his cloak on before he does so, but he does. And they're just authentic eyewitness incidences. Peter, in chapter 20, outran, John rather, outran Peter to the tomb. Then Peter shoved them aside and here um, all these other poor disciples row the boat to the shore and Peter's in the water wanting to get to Jesus. They come ashore and they drag the net up, 153 fish. Now, let's just stop at the 153. Why not 152 or 154? What do we make of that? Again, um, absolutely nothing. Just details. You know, it's the biggest catch of fish he'd ever caught and he counted them. It's what fishermen do. Maybe they exaggerated. And then Jesus takes some of the fish, he cooks some of them in a fire. He's already cooked fish and bread in a fire. And what does he do? Here's the key. He feeds his disciples. Jesus feeds them. And that's John's big point. Food in John's Gospel means feeding them truth. All of these signs point to a spiritual reality. Think of chapter 6, the, the, the five loaves and the two fishes turned into a meal for 5,000 plus people. And the point of that miracle, Jesus feeds them truth. He teaches them 
And so the teaching that falls off the back of the miracle in John chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus says, what, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus feeds his disciples truth. He teaches them truth. He teaches them the word of God and in himself embodies truth, the living word. Now that's the significance of what is happening here in John 21. He feeds them truth. And notice the abundance of what he gives them. This huge haul of fish, 153, a bumper catch. John's point, the same as chapter 6, five loaves, two fishes, an abundance. Jesus gives them and us and all Christians through history abundant provision. Abundant resources. All we need for salvation. You grasp that? Jesus gives us all we need for salvation, for life, for death, for eternity. And the truth he imparts, the truth he teaches, recorded for us in Scripture, the inspired and enduring Word of God, this testimony to truth in our hands, is the power of God for salvation. The Gospel in the Word of God, the rule of our life, the rule of our faith. All we need. Jesus completes his mission and provides what his disciples need. Mission complete. But second, mission continued. And that takes us into the second half of the chapter. Jesus' mission is complete. He has given us himself the gospel, the word of truth to proclaim. And now it is our responsibility with all disciples to pass on that truth. Now, try to see the logic in Jesus' mind and in John the righteous mind. Jesus feeds his disciples and now he turns to Peter and he says, Peter, you feed my sheep. I have fed you, now you feed them. That's the logic. Mission complete and mission continued. Now these uh, verses here, John 21, 15 to 25, are wonderful, wonderful verses of commissioning and sending. I've often preached on them at commissioning services and in God's wonderful sovereignty, here we find them today, of all days. John 21. They're very personal though, aren't they? It's striking in the resurrection chapter in John 20. Resurrection is a matter of universal significance. It all focuses down on Jesus and Mary Magdalene, just two people. And here the commissioning of, of Peter is a matter of universal significance to all Christians through the ages, but the spotlight is on just two people. It's very striking, isn't it? So with me, for these last few minutes, stand in the place of Peter. And look Jesus in the eye and let him commission you. Now for Peter, there are many things going on here which remind him of earlier events. You see in verse 9 of our chapter, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. Peter was first on the shore. He saw a fire of literally charcoal bricks. 
In Peter's mind, he goes back to the night of Jesus' arrest. John writes earlier in his Gospel, it was cold that night. And the servants and officials stood round a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter was standing with them beside a fire of burning coals. Just the same. And uh, earlier, Peter had sort of set himself apart above the other disciples. He'd said to Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. The other Gospels record, even if all of the others, Jesus, fall away, I never will. He had singled himself out. And now, chapter 21, verse 15, after they had finished eating breakfast, the Lord turns and looks straight at Peter. Jesus singles him out. And then most strikingly of all, three questions and three answers. Three questions earlier. Three answers. Peter, are you, are you not one of his disciples? No. Are you not one of his disciples? No. Surely, surely I've seen you with him. I don't know him. And now three more questions and three answers. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you, love, do you really love me, Peter? Lord, you know that I love you. And of course, these connections are all there in Peter's mind. And the point John, the writer, is making is to impress on us, and this is so very important, that the commissioning of any disciple, the commissioning of any minister is grounded in their forgiveness. That all that Peter was to become as a leader in the church was grounded in his forgiveness. Following, serving, leading. To have any significance or purpose or merit before God needs to be rooted in the forgiveness of our sins. And before Jesus can commission Peter, Peter needs to understand the very heart of the gospel is to forgive our sins. You see the, the logic here. Think of the contrast between the denials and the affirmations of love. What comes in between the two? The cross. Peter is forgiven. Let me ask you that direct question. In your heart of hearts, Can you say, looking Jesus in the eye, that you understand what it really means to be a forgiven sinner? Think of the events of the past week when the church turned away from the authority of the Bible. How does it make us feel? Forgiveness of sins is the foundation of every, every act of Christian service. And so fully forgiven, the Lord motivates Peter. How does he do it? What a question to motivate a disciple. Do you love me? Love for the Lord Jesus 
is our motivation for service. Now, what does it mean? It's not a vague love. It's a focused love on him, the person, the man. Love for him because of what he did on a cross. And so looking him in the eye, listen to his question. Do you love me? Do you love him? Do you love the one who forgave your sins, called you to a holy life, and gave you his Holy Spirit that you might live that life? Do you love him? So do you love him? Really, with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your strength, you love him, as it were, holding on to his cross. And what does forgiveness lead to? It leads to the motivation of love. And what does love's motivation lead to you? Jesus said, feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Feed my sheep. What does Jesus mean when he says, feed them? What he means in John's Gospel, feed them truth. Feed them the word of God. And therein you will feed them the living word, the Lord Jesus. Feed them truth. For only truth will save. Only truth will set them free. Only truth will sanctify them. The simple Gospel. The word of God. Feed them. And take care of them. John 10, what does it mean for a shepherd to care for the sheep? It means to protect the sheep from wolves, from those who would lead the sheep astray. Guard them from error and guard the truth. Guard the gospel. And that is the commission to every Christian minister, to every Christian leader, to guard the truth, to feed people with the truth. It is what a shepherd does. And every Christian leader is to remember that they are an under-shepherd of the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus says. See what he says to Peter? Feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Feed my sheep. See, it would be so very easy for me on this final day just to say nothing. But I'll stand before the Lord Jesus and we all will and he will say, what did you say? What did you do? Did you guard the truth? And love motivates us to feed people with truth, to guard truth and it's a life time commission. Isn't it striking that after the Lord Jesus commissions the Apostle Peter, he talks about his death, verses 18 to 19. And that is because the commission from the Lord Jesus to his disciples is to continue that mission until their last breath. 
And it can be a costly commission. Peter had boldly claimed he would lay down his life for the Lord Jesus. And of course he would. Sometimes the path the Lord Jesus calls us to is costly. Now you see the, the, the logic in the Lord Jesus' minds. He says, Peter, he kind of takes him by the shoulders, one to one, and he says, Peter, you're fully forgiven. You're fully for- you understand the forgiveness of sins. And then he says, Peter, do you love me? Love's motivation. Love Jesus. Love the man. And then he says, well now, Peter, you're ready. I've fed you with truth. You feed them with truth. And guard that truth and guard them. And Peter, do it all your life. Until you're dead. And if you suffer for it along the way, well, don't be surprised. And just notice with me at the very end, verse 24. Verse 24, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. In our hands, truth. And truth will always be true. And error will always be error. And then that wonderful verse at the end, verse 25, Jesus gives us ample provision for what we need. He did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books. It's almost like a, a childlike verse. It's the kind of thing you say to a little boy, a little girl. But in the end of the day, the Gospel and the Bible and the Lord Jesus and being a Christian doesn't need a sophisticated brain to get your head around it. Simple, simple, simple trust. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this moving chapter in your word. And we pray that we would in our time and in our generation take that commission, that commission to continue the mission of the Lord Jesus. And with the awareness of the forgiveness of our sins and motivated by our love for the Lord Jesus, May each of us teach truth and guard truth and guard the people of God from error and may we do it till our life's end and if there is cost along the way may we rejoice that we share in the sufferings of Jesus. Thank you that what we have in our hands is true. And thank you that you give us in Jesus everything, everything we might need. 
And we pray in his name. Amen.